136. My wife does not like that song. Uh, she's not here right now. She's doing uh, fireworks, but she, if she's watching on live stream, I'm going to be in trouble. But uh, when she was in junior high, she was going to a Christian school, and uh, they could, uh, for lunch, when they dismissed for lunch, they could either pray or they could sing a hymn and lead in a hymn if they wanted to. And she was too shy to, to lead or to pray, and so she decided she was going to lead a hymn. And she, I think it was that song that she did. Um, and, uh, but she was so nervous, she started off really low. And so she was like, we gather together and everything. And then she was even more embarrassed. And, and so the poor thing. Uh, but if I want to tease her, then I'll just say, we gather together. And then I get hit. So, all right. Let's open them. One, Psalm 136. And I forgot to open my sermon notes. God's judging me for telling you that story. All right. There we go. Psalm 136. We're going to read this uh, chapter as we go. It's 26 uh, verses long. And uh, we as Christians are often stirred to sing songs about God's mercy and steadfast love for us and for uh, in our lives. And it's, uh, I think of how great thou art and things like that. And uh, just it swells from our heart because it means so much to us to have that kind of mercy and that kind of love given to us by God. And it's overwhelming when we think how much God loves us. And Psalm 136 is a song like one of these songs, and it celebrates God's shesed. Uh, it's a Hebrew word for, uh, for really, which some have said there is no single English or other language equivalent uh, that could be found. Uh, in the King James, shesed is usually translated either mercy or loving kindness. Um, other translations sometimes will translate it as unfailing love or steadfast love. But really, the word is so powerful that no single word in the English language comes close to defining it, really. And uh, one biblical language expert said, amazingly, the various words in the Old Testament that are used to describe chesed uh, is loving kindness, devotion, mercy, strength, grace, purity, loyalty, tenderness, steadfastness. They all bear a striking resemblance to the fruit of the Spirit. And so you'll wonder if there's some sort of connection there. But uh, it is like she said, is all the fruit of the Spirit wrapped up into one word. And the Spirit uh, is, uh, helps us to give this to us by granting it to us so that we can grant it out to others. And the verse, verses of Psalm 136 revolve around a well-known refrain, uh, His mercy endureth forever. And this is a very common refrain sung by the Israelites. And, but this refrain had... had uh, to be stopped during the Babylonian captivity. It was prophesied that it would be. Uh, but Jeremiah prophesied that the people would sing it one day again. Jeremiah 33, are, are you controlling the screen back there? Sorry, I did it. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 10 says, uh, Thus saith the Lord, again there shall be heard in this place, which ye shall say be desolate, which shall be desolate, without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast. Verse 11 says, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of bri the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. And so this uh, Jeremiah prophesies that these words will be sung again. And this psalm is written as a fulfillment of that prophecy. 
and those who returned to Jerusalem sang this psalm. Perhaps even at the worship service in Jerusalem where the, temp te uh, the temple foundation was laid and dedicated to the Lord. In time of trial, we all need to be reminded of God's love and mercy for us. And remembering the great things that he's done uh, will be a help to us as this psalm was a help to those who have returned to faithful worship. And so let's see how we can be assured of his great love for us as we praise him uh, for who he is and what he's done. As we read these verses, I'll read the first part, and then I'm going to have you read the second part out loud, which is, for his mercy endureth forever. Every verse says it, okay? So you're going to echo just like the way it was sung, uh, it's supposed to be sung back in those days. So, but first, we're going to see in verses 1 through 4 uh, that he is Lord, and we uh, we praise him because he is Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah, uh, Yahweh, the covenant name of God. So Psalm 136, verses 1 through 4, and I'm putting it on the screen as well in case you need it. Uh, it says, verse number 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Very good. Uh, verse number 2, O give thanks unto the God of gods, his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him alone doth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. The call is made for the people to give thanks unto the Lord, Jehovah, the covenant name of God uh, with his people. And he reminds them how he is greater than all of the gods, all of them. And the first reminder comes to tell them that, first of all, letter A, God is good. And so that's the very first uh, thing that he says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And uh, he, one of the very basic attributes of God is that he is good, right? We, don't, we know we say that phrase all the time, right? God is good, what? All the time, right? And all the time, God is good, right? I remember the first time I said that here, and uh, everybody said it back to me, and I was like, oh, wow, you all know that too. <laughs> but, you know, God is good all the time, isn't he? And the uh, uh, echo comes back from the people that his said, his mercy, his unfailing love, his unwavering faithfulness to his people is forever, never ending. Amen. What a wonderful thing and what a wonderful God. And then the second reminder comes from the worship leader and he says, letter, letter B, God is above all. Uh, verses 2 through 4, it says, O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. First, he talks about the, uh, uh, the Lord, Jehovah, uh, is also God, Elohim, above all Elohims. Uh, and this is not uh, giving credence to the existence or power of other gods, but that God is greater than anything we can imagine. Amen? Anything that the devil can tempt us to draw away from him to, uh, he is greater. Amen? Boy, it would do us good to remember that. Amen? And be less tempted to draw, be drawn away from him. Uh, not only is he, above God, he is God above all gods, but he is Lord above all lords. He is, uh, the word is Adon. Uh, we get the word Adonai from, the name Adonai. Uh, it means master. Uh, he is master and ruler of all. God alone can do the works that he does, and others may try to come up with some weak counterfeits, but only God can perform the mighty works that he does. 
Uh, we're told over and over to be thankful for all that God has done. I think of Ephesians 5.20, give thanks always for all things unto God and Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And just a few of the many, many times that the Bible commands us to give thanks. And he is the covenant God not only with Israel, but he's the covenant God with us as well through his shed blood. The Testament, New Testament of his blood. And he's the eternal God who will give eternal life to those who will come to him. He's done great things and we need to be thankful for that. He's worthy of our praise because he is Lord. But also, secondly, we see that he is the creator. Verses 5 through 9. Are you ready to echo with me here? Uh, verse number 5, he says, To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. And the people of God praise him for his chesed and his mercy and love for all that they have done uh, for them, beginning at the very beginning with creation. And uh, he, he was the Lord before creation. He always existed. Now it's moving to the time of, that time began in creation. And he says that he, first of all, he created the heavens and the waters. Verses 5 and 6 remind the people that all that they see and identify around them is a creation of our mighty, loving, and merciful God. Amen? Uh, by his wisdom, he made the heavens, plural, the sky, the universe, the air we breathe, all of it. And why? Because his mercy endureth forever. Amen? And not only did he create the heavens and the waters, but secondly, we see that he created the lights above. Including in the creation of the heavens is the lights that we can see in the heavens. He made the great lights above, the sun to rule by day, it says, and the moon and stars to rule by night. And what seems to be far beyond our reach was made by our powerful and loving God. He can reach them because he made them, spoke them into existence. During the day, we mostly only see the sun that's ruled, it rules by day. And at night, we see the moon and the stars when they appear, and they rule the night. And God reveals his existence through those things in all of his creation uh, to all of humanity. And before there was a written word, and before there was a prophet, before we had the presence of God incarnate in Jesus Christ himself, before there was a church to proclaim the truth, the all of creation saying of his handiwork. And it testified of the, of the existence of God. God's loving kindness and mercy has been beaming bright from the moment of creation. Romans 1, 18 through 20 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which, we, uh, which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. All men will be held accountable for the revelation that they have been given. Uh, the goodness of God has been on display since creation, and they will have no excuse. 
And we praise God for his mercy endureth forever because he is Lord. And he's willing to testify and reveal himself to us even though we have fallen, even though we are sinful. And we don't deserve any of it. There's no good in us. And yet God has decided and chosen to reveal himself to us whether it be through creation or the perfect revelation of Jesus Christ or the book that we hold in our hands. And we have the revelation of God, and his mercy is what gives that to us. We praise God for his mercy endureth forever because he is Lord. We praise him because his mercy endureth forever because he is the creator. And set thirdly, we praise him because his mercy endureth forever because he is the redeemer. He is the redeemer. Psalms 136 here, verses 10 through 15 Read it with me. It says, To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever, and brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever, with a strong hand, with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever, and made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever. And to the Israelites, the Redeemer spoke to them of the Exodus. That was what they thought of immediately when they talked about a Redeemer, when they thought of a Redeemer. And so they praise him for the deliverance there. And to us, our minds of our redemption and our minds go back to the redemption and freedom from sin, of course. It was promised to them, but they experienced it in Egypt. And, uh, but they praise him because, first of all, they saved them. he saved them from bondage, letter A. He saved them from bondage. He smote Egypt in their firstborn. He brought out Israel from among them with a strong hand, with a stretched out arm, it says here. In Shesed, his mercy and love, he was, in this mercy and love, he was willing to conquer all those who did not believe in him in order to free his beloved children from bondage. And then he saved them from death, letter B. He saved them from death. He divided the Red Sea into parts. Uh, he made Israel to pass through in the midst of it. He overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. And God struck the firstborn over uh, the firstborn over in every house, but He passed over those where He saw the, the angel saw the blood, and He caused Pharaoh to release them from bondage. Yet He still pursued them in His anger. These verses say, but when He opened up the way for the Israelites to walk across on dry land, Pharaoh tried to follow, didn't He? Uh, only to be crushed by the waves in the midst of the sea. The Exodus is a wonderful picture of our salvation, I believe, from the bondage of this world. Egypt is a symbol of the world, and the slavery in Egypt pictures our slavery to sin. And the slaying of the firstborn of every house of Egypt showed the drastic measures that God was willing to go to to save his people. And again, he slayed his only begotten son for our salvation. And the Lamb was slain for their protection and salvation from this judgment. And the Lamb of God was slain for our protection and our salvation from the judgment to come. The Lord, the covenant God, was willing to take drastic measures to redeem us. Isaiah 53, 7 tells us he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought, brought, as, a, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. 
He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was he any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. And praise the Lord for his mercy and love that endures forever. Amen. We are free because of that great love. We are free because of the measures that God was willing to go to to redeem us as people. And Romans 3.24 tells us, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's him that we praise. Amen. We praise him for his mercy endureth forever because what? He is Lord, right? Uh, because he is the creator and because he is the redeemer. Fourthly, because he is our leader. In verses 16 through 22 shows us this. He says in verse number 16, to him which led his people through the wilderness for his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings for his mercy endureth forever and slew famous kings for his mercy endureth forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for an heritage, for his mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. And the Lord is our great leader that leads his people. He leads them, first of all, through the dry wanderings, the desert. Uh, it says, to him which led his people through the wilderness. And after bringing his people out of Egypt, he led them through the desert until they reached the promised land. Now, their journey was a long one because of their stubborn disobedience. By the way, so often that's our case too, isn't it? I was just talking to one of my kids about having to go back around the wilderness because we don't learn our lesson the first time. And uh, we need to do the same thing, listen to and obey God. But God was always faithful, even when they were not faithful. And even when they lacked faith and rebelled against him, uh, the Lord was faithful to them. Uh, it sounds familiar, though, doesn't it? Uh, the failures of man, but yet God is faithful, and we can identify with that, can't we? It's easy to judge. It's easy to see Israel and the mistakes they made. And said, why, why couldn't they just have faith? But the truth is, we don't either, do we? Uh, not if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, if we're not yielding to him, uh, it's hard to have faith without God filling us with that. But he, let, he lay, leads them through their, di, their dry wanderings, and he leads them, secondly, let her be, through victorious battles. He continues in these verses, and he says, To him which smote great kings, and slew famous kings, and Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, these victorious battles that God led them through, is a, it's a wonderful picture of the victory that we can have against Satan and his forces if we'll just yield to the God, yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And many foes stood between Israel and the possession of God's promises. But God leads his people to conquer every powerful king that opposed them. And God led them through the desert. He led them through the battles. And in letter C, we see that he led them into the promised land. It says he gave them their land for an heritage, uh, even an heritage unto Israel his servant. The land belonged to the Lord. It was his land. Everything belongs to him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. It all belongs to him. 
Uh, it wasn't, didn't belong to the, land, the nations that inhabited it before Israel. But out of his faithful love and mercy to Israel, God gave them the land. Israel's journey into, in the wilderness and into the promised land is a picture of a spiritual journey that we take as believers. So we go through this life gaining victories as long as we're yielded to the Holy Spirit. And we are on the way to the promised land of our own. And God, through the, his Holy Spirit, leads us through that desert. And if we listen and if we obey, we'll have victory. But when we refuse to hear and refuse to obey, we see losses in this life. And we see failures in this life. We see struggles that we wouldn't have to face all of them uh, if we would just listen and obey. Now, sometimes he designs, uh, he wants those things to, for, to mold us, to make us into what he wants us to be. But when we're yielded to him through those things, he carries us through those trials. And he doesn't take us out of them, but he carries us through them. And the Lord is with us every step and faithful to us but, uh, until he brings us into the promised land, just as he did the Israelites. We praise the Lord because he is Lord. We praise the Lord because he is the creator. We praise the Lord because he is the redeemer. And we praise the Lord because he is our leader. And then fifthly, we praise him because he is our liberator. Verses 23 and 24, read those with me. Who remembered us in our lowest state. For his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies. For his mercy endureth forever. Now this section we could be very easy for us to put this with the other section. But I think this is going more into the, the people's time that this was written for. And we need to remember that the psalm was written after the Babylonian captivity. And the psalmist moved from what the Lord has done to the remnant's ancestors. To what he's done to them directly. And he has liberated them from their enemies. He remembered them in their lowest state. <clears throat> the captivity was a judgment for their rejection of God and their idolatry. But even in the midst of judgment, God never forgot them. He remembered them in their lowest state. And he didn't just remember them, he redeemed them. Amen? When the right time was come, he redeemed them from their enemies. The Lord saves us to liberate us from sin. He immediately rescues us from sin's penalty. Immediately, eternal death. We're rescued from that. And he begins his work to setting us free from sin's power over us through the sanctification process. And he loves us enough to discipline us when we persist in sin. He loves us so much that even, he even allows us to hurt ourselves by living in disobedience. And Hebrews 12, 6 tells us, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He doesn't do this to hurt us. He doesn't do this to cause us pain. He does this to help us, to mold us, and to make us more like him. And yet he never forsakes us through it all. You need to sit down, Ellie, okay? When the discipline was over, here with the children of Israel in captivity, he returned them to their promised land. I thought about a, like a parent may stop a ground, the grounding of a child earlier than the child expected because there's a, a change in heart that's seen. Uh, and when God, when the time came, he delivered them from their punishment. Now, he, he, he told them the exact time that they would be there. Uh, he didn't deliver them early, but nevertheless, I thought of this kind of delivering from the judgment in that way. We praise him because he's our Lord. We praise him because he's our creator. We praise him because he's our redeemer. 
We praise him because he's our leader. And we praise him because he's our liberator. Then sixth, we see, we praise him because he is our provider. Our provider. Psalm 136, verse number 25 now, he says, Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. Amen. I can, I can praise the Lord for food. Amen. And uh, we just had some pulled pork tonight, and my wife did an amazing job on it. And, uh, you know, and, but I'm grateful for food, and he takes care of us always. Amen. And there have been times in our marriage where I didn't know where the next meal was going to come from. I didn't know how we were going to get groceries. And I didn't even know how we were going to pay our bills, much less the groceries on top of that. And I didn't know where it was all going to come from. But God always provides. He always does. Every time. We just need to trust in his faithfulness. Amen. And the Lord's people here celebrated his faithfulness in providing for their daily needs. He faithfully makes sure the earth provides enough food for all flesh. Psalm 145, verse 15 and 16, it says, The eyes of all await upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand, and satisfieth the desire of every living thing. Every living thing. Psalm 147, verse 9, says, He giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. <clears throat> the Lord's uh, love and mercy endureth forever, and providing not just his people food that they need, but even the animals of his creation. He takes care of everything, doesn't he? And if God cares so much for all of his creation, how much more does he care for his children? It made me think of Matthew 10, verse 29 through 31. It says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? But one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. For fear, fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Amen? Aren't you glad that God cares and provides for us? Uh, he is Lord, and we need to praise him. He's our creator, and we need to praise him. He's our redeemer, and we need to praise him. He's our leader, and we need to praise him. He's our liberator, and we need to praise him. He's our provider, and we need to praise him. Then lastly, number seven, he is God of heaven. And we need to praise him. Verse number 26, let's read it. To, uh, read it. it says, Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. And the psalmist closes by declaring that the Lord is the God of heaven. It's interesting, King Cyrus himself referred to, the God, to, referred to God by this name in his proclamation releasing the Jews from captivity. He is the God of heaven. Now the God of heaven has brought his people back to their home. And his people rejoice in their God. The name God of heaven reveals the Lord's sovereignty over the earth. He is above it all. He is in control of it all. He is Lord of all. And he can move even the hearts of pagan kings to accomplish his will. Uh, we're living in some uncertain times today. In fact, Timothy, I believe, is describing today when he says in 2 Timothy 3.1, uh, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And I believe with all my heart we're living in those last days. But we still serve a God of heaven. Amen. We still serve the God of heaven. So God's will will always be accomplished. His purpose for us individually will be accomplished. And we can rest in the promise that he will complete the work that he has begun in us. Philippians 1.6 tells us being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will bring good from even the evil that others intended for us. 
He'll work everything out that happens in our lives for good. And we can count on his shesed, his mercy, his unfailing love. And we can persevere by yielding to his Holy Spirit. We can keep going because of it. For his mercy endureth forever. Amen. Well, let's look at some prayer requests tonight. We'll cut the live stream and take some prayer requests.